that life can seem like one long journey to answer a very short list of questions. And one of the most powerful questions that we wrestle with is this question, who am I? You know, the search for identity, to know who we are, is it's a part of the human journey. It's a question that we all face and work through in different ways. In our teenage years, it's such a critical time for exploring that. If you're around teenagers often, it's like you can watch it happening in real time. In junior high, I made the pivot, I think within the course of a week, from a skater, and by skater, I mean someone who just wore the giant baggy jeans, airwalks, and shirts that were way too big for me, uh, but had no idea how to actually ride a skateboard. Uh, I went from skater, uh, you can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes, uh, a skater to golfer, like polo shirts and khaki shorts, the whole thing. Uh, I was trying to figure out who I wanted to be. Uh, and trying to figure out how to communicate that, you know, to the very discerning 13-year-olds who were around me. Um, when we think of wrestling with that question, who am I? We so often think of our teenage years. Uh, but have you found that that question has this way of coming back? Uh, like we think we're done with it and then pop, there it is again. And maybe it's a change or a transition that brings it back. You know, the roll of the calendar to a new year, a move, a job change, a transition to a new life stage, additions or losses in our families, or even just changes in the world around us. You know, 2020 presented us with many opportunities to experience this. Uh, 2021 seems to be off on a pace to match so far. <laughs> When the people or when the circumstances around us change, it brings us back to these foundational questions. Uh, who am I? It's such an important question. And what I want to do in our time together today is start to push into where are we looking and who are we listening to uh, to answer it? Because what if the answer to that question was constant? Uh, what if the answer to that question was unchanging? What if the answer to that question was sure? What if it was actually a gift, a blessing for us and motivated by love? Uh, we're in a series called Rooted uh, that's based on or <clears throat> rooted uh, in <laughs> this prayer that the Apostle Paul prays for the church in and around Ephesus. Uh, if you've got a copy of the scriptures with you, go ahead and turn or tap your way to Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Uh, I want to read this for us again uh, because it's going to serve as a grid, as a lens for what we're going to be talking about this week and spoiler alert for the next three weeks as well. This is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, uh, starting in chapter 3, verse 14. Paul prays this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Paul's prayer is for those churches to be rooted and established in love. And to not just know that love with their minds, but to experience it in their lives. He prays that from that place of rootedness, that they'd be able to see just how wide and how long and how high and how deep Christ's love is, that their lives would experience this fullness that only God can give. And there's an order here. Those things came when they get first things first, when they're rooted and established and love it just like a plant that sends roots deep into the soil for the water and the nutrients that it needs. Our lives are to be rooted in God's love in the same way. In the last two weeks, we've talked about how when our lives aren't just rooted in God's love, but established in it. When that love makes its way to the outside, when it's what our lives are built upon, when it's what we're known by. Paul uses both of those words, rooted and established. When our lives are rooted and established in love, that love acts. It's engaged. It's present and experienced by those around us. And we saw that powerfully last week as John took us through the parable of the Good Samaritan. And this week we come back to the book of Ephesians. And today and for the next three weeks to come, uh, we're going to work through the first two chapters using Paul's prayer in chapter three as a lens to help us dig into these passages more deeply. That, that, that prayer is what follows these verses. It's informed by them. Uh, so let's bring it with us back into these first two chapters as we take a closer look. And today we're starting with the first 14 chapters or first 14 verses of chapter one. And as we do, I want us to listen for how being rooted and established in love, how embracing who we are in Christ helps us answer that question, who am I? Back in high school, I used to get consistently whacked on all my English papers for using too many compound and at times run on sentences. Uh, I just like words uh, and I want to say all the things. Uh, and there's a bit of that going on in this passage. Uh, see what we have in our Bibles as uh, Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 14 uh, in the original Greek are all one sentence. It's actually the longest sentence recorded anywhere in ancient Greek. And Paul's using grammatical structures here to make a point that he does this for a purpose. Everything in these verses is interconnected and he wants each phrase to be considered within the context of the whole. And I find that actually really inspiring. There's this meta narrative he is writing about that he just won't let his listeners forget or step away from. These verses also follow a form of Jewish praise hymn. These were, you know, largely blended communities of both Jewish and non-Jewish believers. And so organizing these verses in this way would have felt like humming a familiar melody to some of the people who would have been hearing this letter read aloud for the first time. And Paul opens this letter in praise and worship with themes he wants his listeners to hold together. 
And he wants them to see what a gift he's writing about. And these verses contain such a powerful message about who we are. And I want to honor how Paul wrote them. It meant for them to be taken in. And so we're going to do something a little bit different in our time together today. Rather than break these verses apart and work through them, we're going to consider them as a whole. Just like if you turned a gemstone over in your hand and you could see all its different facets, appreciate all its different angles, we'll work through this whole passage three different times. And each time we'll consider a different theme or a different question about identity. And here's how it'll look. I'll briefly introduce the theme that we're going to consider, and then I'll read the passage and then leave a little space after I'm done just to give us some time to sit with the theme and the passage together and to see what God might be saying to us through them. And after a little space there, I'll share a reflection uh, that will lead us to a question. And then I'll leave a couple of minutes of space there. Uh, please feel free to just pause the podcast if you'd like more time. And after that, I'll move us on to the next theme and we'll do three cycles of that total. Sound good? Uh, you can't really answer, uh, but it did feel important to ask. I'm actually so excited for us to engage the scriptures together this way today. I've been praying this week that God meets you powerfully through his word and that we are reminded yet again that the scriptures are alive and active. Uh, let me pray for us and we'll get started. Uh, God, as we consider the theme of identity today, would the truth contained in your scriptures just pour over us? Would it root us and establish us in the love that you've so freely given us? We pray these things in and for your name. Amen. All right. Our first theme is really one about perspective. And when we consider that identity question, who am I? Now, do we think about that from an individual perspective or do we consider or do we think about our identity more broadly or more corporately? I have to confess that I wasn't even really thinking this way until I sat with the passage, which just reminds me yet again how steeped in individualism we are as a Western culture. Let's let the passage read us on that a bit today. As we listen to these words, let's listen for what perspective they take. When it comes to seeing our identity through an individual lens, or perhaps a more broad one. This is Ephesians 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Jesus Christ, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What did you hear? What stood out to you? You know, one of the things that just jumps out at me is all the pronouns that are referring to people are plural. Even the you is in a plural form in the original Greek. Uh, You know, being a native Texan, uh, it's what I like to call the Paul y'all. All of the pronouns are plural. And it sure seems that Paul is much more interested in helping his audience consider identity through the lens of God's redemptive work, through the bigger picture, through the meta-narrative of what God is doing, than through an individual lens. And I think that's really important for us to consider. Viewing identity through the lens of God's redeeming work in the world, rather than through the lens of our own lives. And Paul does this in part because of who he's writing to. This was a letter that was most likely circulated to a few churches in and around the city of Ephesus. And remember, we talked just a bit ago about how these churches were blended communities of both Jewish and Gentile believers. And see, Paul is resetting the dynamic here, redefining who the people of God are. Verse 5, we've all been adopted into the same family. In Roman culture, those adopted into a family were equal heirs to the estate, were fully vested members of that family. And Paul ties that joining together, that resetting, that expanding idea of who the people of God are to the redemptive purposes of God in the world. In verses 9 and 10, he says this, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
See, this is the big picture, the meta-narrative. And, and, and Paul wants his audience, this new blended family, to consider who they are through this lens. This is something he really brings home at the end of chapter 2, which we'll cover in a few weeks, uh, but it raises a really important question for us to consider. What is our starting point when we wrestle with that question? Who am I? What perspective do we take? See, I I think we often try to answer that question through the context of our own lives and, and our set of circumstances. What we do, who we're with, where we live, where we're from, how things are going. I, I know that's certainly true in my own life. But, but what this passage leads us to wrestle with is instead to consider who we are through the context of God's purposes in the world, which Paul lays out here as through Christ, the reuniting of all things in heaven and on earth that have been torn apart by sin. Like we've been adopted into a beautiful, global, reunified family. We are part of a people. And it's so easy to try to answer these big picture questions through the context of our own lives. But what Paul's laying out here is to flip the order. Instead of trying to understand what God is up to through the context of our own lives, to consider our own lives instead through the context of God's purposes. Because if we don't, it's like trying to understand eternity through the context of today rather than seeing today through the context of eternity. Paul's inviting us to flip the order, to consider our own lives through the context of God's purposes. Look, identity isn't just an individual question because God is not just redeeming individuals. He's reuniting his people, his beloved creation, who bear his image. Identity isn't just an individual question. And so what could it look like to reclaim that a little bit? How could being rooted and established in love actually free us to see ourselves not just as individuals, but as part of the collective people of God. And how can seeing ourselves in this way help us grasp just a little bit more how wide and long and high and deep Christ's love is? I'm take a couple minutes with these questions I'll move us forward in a bit, but again, please feel free to pause the podcast if you'd like more time.
Our second theme really is about our posture when it comes to identity. Is it something that we create, uh, that we make for ourselves, or is it something that we receive? Like, I think so much of the struggle, uh, so much of the real wrestling we do with the question of who am I comes from this tension. Uh, let's listen to the passage again. And this time, listen for how it might speak to identity created or identity received. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 1. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Well, what'd you hear? It's, it's pretty inescapable, isn't it? Uh, the reality that at the core level, who we are is given to us. That it's a blessing, that it's motivated by love because God just wanted to. And, and we see in these verses that the whole Trinity is involved. Uh, that God the Father chose us in verse 4. That Jesus redeemed us in verse 7. 
And the Spirit is our seal, our marker, verse 13. And I, I don't want us to miss this, that this kind of rooted identity, chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, included, sealed, loved, is given to us. That it's given to us in accordance with God's will and pleasure because God wanted to, in verse 4. It's out of his glorious grace, which he's freely given to us in verse 6, that God has lavished on us in verse 8. It is given to us. This kind of identity, these core things that we long for, are freely given to us. And I wonder how much worry, how much anxiety, how much hurt, how much disappointment we experience from trying to create these things for ourselves, to be good enough, liked enough, have enough, be smart enough, accomplish enough as if somehow we need to prove ourselves worthy. That's how the world's economy works. That's how some of our families of origin work. That's how our schools and workplaces usually work. But not so with God. And this is where the words of Paul's prayer just a couple of chapters later come back to us very quickly. This prayer to be rooted in love and to know that love, to experience that love, as Paul writes, that surpasses knowledge. I think a lot of us know this. Know that this is what these passages say about who we are. But so many of us are stuck in the in-between. Stuck in the gap between knowing this with our minds and experiencing it with our lives. And I think it all comes back to where we look or who we listen to as we ask that question, who am I? A few weeks ago, as we intro the series, I talked about these false narratives about who we are that are just everywhere. These narratives that tell us, I am what I do. I am what I have. And I am what others say about me. And those narratives, they, they lead us into trying to make for ourselves what God has already given us. But when they work, they really work. I think that's partly why they're so attractive and so powerful is when we like the answers we get from them, when we're able to tick the boxes, it feels really good. But if you've ever been on the other side, though, you know that these work until they don't. And I just think so much of the hardship around the question, who am I, comes from the gap between knowing in our minds the identity that God has given us and being rooted by love in that identity and experiencing it fully with our lives. These false narratives are really strong. 
and they pull us away from some of the truest things about us, the things that God has done for us. Which of these narratives, I am what I do, I am what I have, or I am what others say about me, is most powerful for you. Right now, which of these narratives is most powerful in your life? And how does that connect to where you are in the gap? Between knowing who God says you are and being rooted in it, living from it. I take a couple of minutes here to reflect. I'll move us forward in a bit. Again, though, please feel free to pause the podcast if you'd like more time. All right, one more time through. And this will really take us into the close of our time together. Like we get pulled so easily into answering that question, who am I, with things that are conditional, with things that can change. And whether it's who we're with or what we do, whether it's where we live or our health or the status of our relationships, like all those things can change in ways that ultimately we can't control. As we come back through this passage one more time, let's listen for what it has to say about this identity that God has given us. If it's secure or if it's conditional. This is Ephesians 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What'd you hear? The identity that we've been given in Christ is God's purpose and will in the world. As he is bringing back together everything that sin has broken. It's God's will and purpose to adopt us into one new family. And to leave the Holy Spirit with us as the seal of his presence with us. Of our belonging to him. Because God loves us. Because God wanted to. The end. Like who we are in Christ is secure because God made it secure. And I'm just struck by how much we need to be reminded of this. You know, as you look at the Old Testament, you know, all these structured ceremonies and celebrations and community life rhythms were there to remind the Israelite people of who they were and what God had done for them. And we, we see this in our practice of communion, in the words of some of the songs that we sing, in baptism, you know, these important markers of our faith. But one of the things that stood out to me going through this passage time and time again is that Paul had his name. I just have to think that each time he wrote it out, each time he spoke it out loud, each time he heard it as someone addressed him, he was living in the reminder that he was no longer Saul of Tarsus persecutor of the church. But Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
by the will of God. Look, we need reminders of who we are because of what God has done for us. And here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. To sit with this passage and write your own start to Ephesians 1 verse 1. Write out your own statement of identity. It doesn't have to be complicated. You, you can just pull a word or a phrase from this passage that really speaks to you. What do you need God to remind you of today? And to be rooted in love. And to receive the blessing of who you truly are. In a world that tells you that you are what you do, that you are what you have, that you are who you're with, that you're only as good as your last performance, that what others say of you is what defines who you are, know that you are chosen, that you've been adopted, that you are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are included. You are sealed. You are loved because that's who God says you are. That's the gift God has given us in Christ. May we be rooted by love in our God given identity. Would you pray with me? God, my simple prayer today is that we would experience in our lives what's so easy to just know in our minds. Would you root us in your love so that we could live from who you say we are? We thank you for all the things that you've given us through Jesus. That your spirit seals us is our marker that you are always with us. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. We pray these things in and for your name. Amen. Amen.